Welcome to Anecdotal Anatomy, the weekly podcast that explores the nooks and crannies of living in a body. Sometimes it's the two of us having a casual conversation through the filter of that day's topic, and other times we have special guests who add their voices to the chat. We are yoga educators and body workers with decades of experience as practitioners and teachers. It is with reverence and joy that we choose to take these conversations off the mat and into the microphone. Our aim is to understand the human experience through the stories our bodies hold and the stories they tell. Since having a body is the one thing we all have in common, it seems like a good place to start. We are your hosts. I am Teresa Tobin Macy. And I'm Sherry Sadoff Hank. Join us on this journey of discovery as we sleuth our way to the connections of our individual tales to the collective experience of being alive. Hello, Sherry. How are you today? Hey, Teresa. Feeling very, very grateful. How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Is that what we're talking about today? <laughs> I'm pretty grateful today as well. You know, I traveled across the country, got settled in in my new temporary home for the next six weeks. Uh, the weather is beautiful and I have a completely different landscape. So wow. grateful for a new experience. <sighs> but, hey, but Teresa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. This is so much fun. <laughs> it is fun. And, you know, it, we hope you guys are having fun out there in Invisible Listening Land because we are in this little sort of interim space between seasons. And we're going to be restructuring the way we um, present the seasons in terms of our own chronology, but we thought we'd, we'd start our little mini season um, with gratitude because we have now completed two full seasons and, um, and we have so much for which to be grateful. And the first thing that I can think of to be grateful is that you are listening right now. We are so touched and grateful filled with gratitude that you keep showing up and supporting us in so many different ways with you know testimonials that you've written or just popping in those earbuds and taking this journey along with us so our first gratitude for today is you thank you and among you uh, were some local friends and listeners who came to our first live event our anecdotal anatomy in action, a party on the porch at the Commonplace Reader in Yardley. And while it could have been twice as attended, I, it could also have been half as meaningful. It was an extremely meaningful day, um, evening of celebration. We played games, we connected. We really started or continued the, the experience of connecting these individual stories to this, this collective that we keep talking about. And we're just so grateful for every person who showed up and to Liz, who is the proprietor of the Commonplace Reader, who opened up her porch to us and allowed us to just be and to, to do our thing. And so thank you, Liz, so much. It was, I mean, people started to, you know, I, we got, I got, shoo, I got a <laughs> thank you, a thank you letter in the mail, handwritten, 
from Teresa Puckett. So I want to send out a thank you to her as well. It is so infrequent that we actually handwrite thank you cards and handwrite notes and opening our mailbox and finding, you know, this handwritten letter. It's written on a beautiful piece of parchment paper. Um, just thanking us for the invitation, but also her gratitude for being able to build community and meet some of our other listeners and form some new relationships with people she hadn't met before. And that's high on our list of, you know, a mission for this podcast is to create community and reach out to individuals, but also the collective. So a thank you note was just a beautiful, beautiful surprise that I got on the day that I was leaving Pennsylvania to come to Reno for six weeks. And I'm happy I opened my mailbox to make sure (laughs) that I had collected everything that was in it. So it was a great note to read when I settled in on the plane and opened it. It just brought joy to my heart. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And as part of the experience, one of our listeners brought um, an extra prize. We gave some prizes, some of our anecdotal anatomy swag. We played bingo. We played all sorts of fun games. And Teresa and I gave our particular hints of our TED Talks. Uh, But Lisa Cecilia, who brought a gift card to the Commonplace Reader, that later I was able to do some spinning thing, a a chance wheel on, it's an app to pick a winner and Teddy Matisoff won the gift card. So I just wanna shout out to them. Thank you, Lisa, for this generous um, prize that you brought, unexpected. And for Teddy, congratulations for winning. And, you know, also we had help setting up. So Brian and Larry were there helping us to get chairs organized, food set up, carry things, set up our IT for us. So for showing up early and being background support, thank you to um, you two as well for all of your help throughout this entire process. So this this conversation about gratitude, we're starting at the kind of, it, it feels deep to us, but this thank you, thank you, thank you is just one way of expressing gratitude. And we are extremely grateful. If you can't hear it in our voices, hopefully you can feel it in our hearts. But that is is the the jumping off point. And now we're gonna kind of dive a little bit deeper into this idea of gratitude, but we have to start somewhere. And so, you know, who among us didn't learn early in our lives, say please and thank you, say please and thank you. It's important that you say please and thank you. Um, And I'm sure maybe not everyone um, got that, but that was drilled into us as kids. And even as an adult, there is not the smallest thing that you can do that will not be met with, I'm sorry, a lot of double negatives there. There's nothing that isn't met with a please or thank you from, from me. I feel very grateful for every little thing and but it's, it starts with, it's it by rote, you know, the parent tells you say this. And so that becomes part of your own neural pathway, I guess. I, we're talking about these neural pathways and the things that we address, that we work on, that get strengthened. But I feel like please and thank you is sort of the gateway into deeper expressions of gratitude. Um, 
kind of like, and I don't, in case there are little ears, which I don't, I, I tend to curse sometimes. So hopefully there aren't too many little ears, but belief in a mythical creature or mythical beings, you know what I'm talking about. They're kind of gateways into a, a knowing or a belief in deeper magic. You know, the magic of connection, the magic of synchronicity, the mysteries of the world that we can approach. So at different times of the year, we bring in different mythological creatures to, you know, show that there is magic in the world. Um, and so I think these please and thank yous are also like that, that, you know, they're important, but they are just gateways and jumping off points to that deeper expression of gratitude. And you opened the door, Sherry, for just a little bit of science as we move forward when you started talking about neuropathways. You know, gratitude from what I've read, and of course we always do a lot of research, looking at, you know, psychology today and many other evidence-based research studies about gratitude. And one of the things that keeps coming up over and over and over again is the practice of gratitude releases neurotransmitters of um, dopamine and serotonin. Some people just say, our happy hormones <laughs> or our happy neurotransmitters. But it reminds me, especially when you talked about neuropathways, because in our past podcasts, we've talked about patterns. We have discussed um, patterns and practices, right? Mm -hmm. Habits that we create, whether we intentionally notice that we've created them or they just organically evolve through different things that we do. But the practice of gratitude creates neuropathways that lead to more joy, more happiness. Um, also, not only for personal things, I've also run across many studies that said it improves our health and it helps us to build stronger relationships. And those are relationships across all levels of our life, family relationships, community relationships, relationships at work, or any of the other activities or communities that we um, participate in. Approaching them from a place of gratitude enhances and strengthens those relationships. And it's accessible, you know, and for those who are, you know, finding it challenging to, to tap into this, this thing we're calling gratitude. I mean, it's also like, what are, what is this? You know, it's not always so easy. You know, we think just, you know, be grateful, you know, say these things and feel these things. In psychology today, um, they pose the question, why is gratitude so difficult? And the key points that they bring up are some mental roadblocks to gratitude include feeling impatient, having high expectations, or thinking that the subject is too sentimental. Um, devoting enough time to the practice can help change one's men mentality about gratitude. And I think that's really important because for those for whom gratitude comes easy, it can appear like, well, why can't everyone just appreciate the sunset the way I do? You know, why can't everyone just appreciate, you know, a delicious piece of pie, for example, you know, that we can feel it, we can taste it, but until we put our awareness and our attention to it, um, gratitude feels very much like a building block for living a conscious life, a mindful life. And once we're mindful of those things, um, I think gratitude may become more accessible. You know, my dad was a forensic psychiatrist and my mom was a clinical social worker. So, you know, that, I don't know what that says about me and my siblings, but 
it, we did do a lot of talking and we did, you know, sort of excavate some of these things. And it occurred to me one day that I was grateful for having a sane mind. And all that means is that I'm grateful that I can approach my life with a level of discernment that allows me to be mindful and conscious about the choices that I make and to, to feel gratitude for the small things, for those things that, um, you know, the feeling of the ground beneath my feet, the feeling of the wind in my hair, you know, a, a discovering a rainbow after the rain, you know, even if it's just a tiny little blip of color in the sky, you know, these are things for which I am eternally grateful. And um, yeah. Well, you said being grateful for small things. And I have the smallest thing I can possibly think of that I had immense gratitude and joy from. Before I moved, I did not have a toaster in my house. And I'm gluten-free, so it's often difficult mm -hmm. to um, find good bread. And not having, I mean, if you toast it, you can make almost anything great. <laughs> but before I got here, um, my son and my daughter-in-law found delicious gluten-free bread. It was in the it was in the freezer, and they pointed it out to me um, to let me know like what they had prepared for my first couple of days here, so that I had food when I arrived <laughs> that I could eat. So being mindful enough to recognize that you know I was gluten-free and to structure their shopping accordingly. But I got up the first morning yesterday when I woke up, and I was like. Ooh, I have toaster and gluten-free bread. So I took it out of the freezer, separated out a couple of pieces, which was really hard to do when it's frozen, waited for it to defrost so I could toast it. So the anticipation was growing. They also make their own homemade butter. So Ooh. I had homemade butter that was in the refrigerator. And um, when it finally defrosted, which was time for a lot of anticipation. <laughs> I toasted those two pieces of gluten-free bread with homemade butter on them. And I have to tell you that as soon as I took the first bite, I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> I stood there in front of their kitchen window because there's a bird feeder out there that had a bunch of yellow finches coming and eating breakfast at the same time that I was. So I stood by the kitchen counter with a nice hot cup of coffee and toast with butter on it. And every single bite I was going, mm, oh, this is so <laughs> good. I imagine, so, I imagine your son in anticipation of you discovering this bread and butter also felt a gratitude for you being there. You know, when we imagine the effects of our, our generosity and our actions towards others, that can also release those happy hormones. You know, just thinking mom's coming and look what I get to do for her. You know, mm -hmm. I can only imagine because the way you talk about your kids, like they are freaking awesome. And I, I, I imagine that's exactly what happened. <laughs> They are amazing young, well, they're amazing men. They're younger than me, so I can call them young men. <laughs> <laughs> but they are, I'm very, very proud of them and so grateful for, like you mentioned, sometimes, you know, the practice of gratitude may seem overwhelming. Like you had started 
talking about that, that maybe we don't know where to start, but something as simple as a piece of toast for breakfast and the recognition that somebody went out of their way to remember to have it. In addition, I was moving and so many people reached out to help me um, in that move by Brian taking care of all of my plants, which are now living in your home for a little bit. (laughs) Providing well-needed oxygen. (laughs) Yes. Family and friends, Larry helping me carry and put, you know, together Mm -hmm. some things for storage. You know, my sister's reaching out. My sister, uh, Maggie, shout out to Maggie, took my massage table and my massage stool to her house uh, to store that for me. I'm very grateful for that. And as you said, she's going to be very grateful because the first thing I have to do when I get home (laughs) is go get my massage table, which means she'll have a little extra thank you for storing it for me. But so many people who just reached out, both moving into my previous home Mm -hmm. and moving out, just made both of those transitions so, so simple. And it's just a matter of taking a moment to recognize who shows up. Oh, yes. And who, you know, is able to move outside their own heads to consider others? You know, gratitude is inextricably connected to generosity, to happiness, to joy, to love. Um, When you can think of others and do things, there's a gratitude in the action of kindness. You know, I know that when someone is like, if they're out getting something and they're like, oh, I wonder if, you know, Sherry wants something, you know, and I'm on my way there anyway, just being thought of to the thoughtfulness. Um, I just feel like all of these, you know, we, we're trying to avoid the word positive because of, you know, the implications of, you know, who's choosing what's positive and what's negative. And can we be grateful for situations that are challenging that may not appear to be positive, but ultimately result in the feelings and growth that um, create gratitude on the other end. Mm. So, but there's a spectrum there. There's, we can feel the sadness and the, the depression, and we can feel the fear of change. And we can feel all those things without feeling the gratitude in that moment. Sometimes it's delayed gratitude. Sometimes if someone you're in an Mm. acute situation and someone says, Oh, you're, you're going to be so grateful for this, this moment that helped you grow into this. But in the moment, you're just feeling like crap. And you're like, fuck you. I don't (laughs) not grateful grateful for this. This is a crappy, crappy moment. That's about timing. I used to date a comedian and he would say time. Ing is everything. And it's true, you know, that that delayed gratification is your story. It's something you get to experience in your time and in your way. And if it doesn't come, it may appear as something else. It may appear as, oh, you know what? I really grew from that. It sucked in the time, um, but maybe gratitude has synonyms (laughs) that show up that don't sound like gratitude, but really mean the same thing. I know that I've been in conversations with people who say the worst thing you can say to someone is, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And those are the same people sometimes who actually believe that that's true, but you would never say that to someone who's in acute pain or an acute fear or in an acute situation that um, there's no way to even imagine what that looks like. But, you know, later down the line, it's up to that person to say, you know what? Oh, wow. I really grew from that. And I am so grateful that, that, you know, this crappy thing happened to me. 
but that's like, again, after the because, we get to wrap all of the, our, our episodes into this. That's our after the because, but it's for the source to name. Yeah, that reminds me of a quote that both you and I found in our research by um, Robert Brault, which mm-hmm. says, enjoy the little things. For one day, you may look back and realize that they were the big things. That, you know, just not the recognition that we don't see a full picture necessarily always in the moment when things are happening. Mm -hmm. And we need to look back and realize that maybe we forgot to be grateful back there for this big change that's happened. Like moving, it was was stressful Mm -hmm. to move but also at the same time, grateful for a new experience. And I imagine, you know, I've told you many times in this podcast, I'm aging myself, but you know, I'm 62 and I can look at plenty of times in my life, in my past where maybe I was in challenging situations. And then I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so grateful I had to make that choice Mm -hmm. at that time because it changed the course of my life. And there's a gratitude to that. Mm-hmm. I know in season one, I told the story, I or many stories about some backbone building experiences that I had. And, you know, asking for the raise at camp when I was a camp counselor and working for, you know, an asshole who just really gave me no slack at all. Um, but in at least in the one where I asked for the raise and it was really emotional, I did have a moment where I knew that this was a hinge moment, that there were consequences to action or inaction, and that taking the action was going to set a precedent that allowed me to advocate for myself in future situations. And that was linked to gratitude. There was a huge amount of gratitude that I even had the awareness of that. It didn't lessen the emotional response. I still cried and still felt crappy, but I had the awareness that that moment mattered and that it was going to be sort of, I guess Gisela talked about the dominoes falling, but in a different way, um, a domino effect for my life. And I was only... 18 years old, you know, I didn't, what did I know at 18? I knew, you know, um, but I knew enough to know, to be grateful. Yeah. yeah. What do any of us know? Even at 60, <laughs> like, what do I still know? <laughs> I remember writing my grandfather a, a letter I, after high school. I thought I knew everything. But after college, I realized I knew nothing. And so I wrote that to him just as a a thank you for whatever, you know, in gratitude for his guidance over the years. And uh, it still sort of rings true. You know, as much as I think I know, there's so much more I don't know. And if we, I know I have a friend, Teddy, who won the... um, the gift card. She's a science teacher and she talks, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, what we know about the universe is like 10% and that might be generous. I may be um, overstating the 10%. Mm. So if you think there's 90% about the universe that scientists don't know about, imagine all the shit we don't know that we think we know, you know, it's, we only know what we know within the, the container that we're, we're currently in. Yeah. <laughs> Without, <laughs> is without that gratitude? A, I don't know. That, that is, that is, that is gratitude. Um, the recognition that there's so much more that we can still experience and find out. And I think that leads into this idea of mindset, of recognition, that there, recognition that there is a lot we don't know, we haven't experienced. 
and also the recognition to notice what we are experiencing and through what lens we're doing it in. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I was reading Brene Brown and I also saw this with other research that I was doing is the mindset of shifting a scarcity mindset, right? To change. So gratitude helps us to refocus on what we have instead of what we lack. And, you know, that scarcity mindset can be really strong and overwhelming, especially in times of transition. For instance, I could, and I, and I did, at times when I was moving and packing, my brain would go into, oh no, you know, I'm gonna have so much space, or I have to put all of my stuff in storage, and what if I need the thing that's there? And I started recognizing the scarcity of not having my things close by. But, you know, so it's not that it's 100% that we stay out of, you know, all different other mindsets. But with the practice that I have begun of mindfulness, meditation, becoming deeply, more deeply aware of my thoughts and my feelings, I allowed myself time to have some scarcity mindset and realize, okay, I'm thinking about lack. But once I recognized that I was getting stuck in that, I was able to Look at all these people who are helping me and uh, this great new experience that I'm going to have and flip it into something of gratitude that there's always the other side of the equation. You know, you said you weren't great at math. I don't know. <laughs> Many times we've talked <laughs> about our strengths and weaknesses and our, you know, where our brains go. But in equations, you balance them by having a little bit of both. You know, I used to have this conversation with people a lot, this scarcity versus abundance. Um, and we all know people in our lives, and I, was, I know people in my life who have everything materially that they could ever want. And yet they live in a poverty mentality and a scarcity mentality that it's never enough. And it's never, it doesn't fill that void. And so there's always a feeling of scarcity in, in the stories they tell and in the way that at least in my after the because I'm filling in for them. And then I know people who materially have little, so little, and yet they live in abundance. They live in a mindset that you would never know that they were struggling to you know, make the rent or struggling to, to get the things that they need because their mindset is all abundance. And so how can that not be related to gratitude? A sense of conscious living in a world where you, know, it's, you wake up and it feels great to be alive. And we also live in a time where, you know, anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. So to say that with any kind of flippancy is not my point. It's not um, addressing, I don't mean to sound tone deaf to those who are having a hard time waking up. And it's not related to abundance or scarcity. It's something, it could be chemical, it could be circumstantial, um, but only to say that adding practices in of gratitude may not replace 
the medications or therapy or things that are necessary to achieve a level of abundance that allows us to feel gratitude in the everyday ordinary moments. But to say that the way we started this idea, the things that we put our attention to, the things that we practice gain strength. And so even if it's kind of a please and thank you thing, this wrote this, you know, fake it till you make it, say please and thank you. At some point, hopefully that becomes a part of creating that new neural pathway and strengthens it so that not only are you just saying please and thank you, but there's a heartfelt thank you, really thank you. You mentioned, you know, the different mindsets and people who have everything or have nothing and how they approach their thoughts, how they feel, how they think. I worked with um, a client. It's uh, my stepdaughter's mom. She was diagnosed with ALS and I'm a massage therapist, um, as you know, and a yoga therapist. So for four or five years, I worked with her every week as she went through um, the transition and many transitions, if you know anything about ALS, it's, you know, muscles stop working, which means mobility changes and just about everything that we do, including feeding ourselves, being able to breathe, they're all muscle driven. And so within the time that I was working with her, um, it's a sad disease. I mean, not that others aren't, I'm not trying to minimize anything. Um, and I would go and work with her. And I remember this one particular day, there was a lot of traffic getting there. I had a bad day. I was on the road with a little bit of, you know, maybe too much road rage that I needed to be there because, you know, all those assholes don't really know how to drive out there. <laughs> Only I know how to do that well. <laughs> and so I remember arriving frustrated and a little angry and just like with all this stuff built up inside and I walked into her room to work with her and she said oh Teresa I'm so grateful to see you today and the first thought that popped into my mind was oh Teresa you're such an asshole <laughs> and which is not to say I'm not allowed to have my right. emotions but it really was a reality check that the things that were making me angry ungrateful you know in this tizzy mm -hmm. were so small yeah. and insignificant and what she taught me was it was rare that she would forget to have gratitude she would say, oh my gosh, I am so grateful for all the people who are helping me through this, all of my caretakers that assist me. Um, and she never really forgot to thank me and not a rote, thanks for being here, right. but a real heartfelt gratitude, look me in the eye, mm -hmm. thank you for you know being somebody who is here as part of my support team. So it's, it's interesting to find um, who our teachers are and how they help us or helped me, I should say, mm -hmm. I don't need to be inclusive of everybody, but who my teachers are and how they help me to flip some of my practices and teach me a way of adding a new practice that um, 
maybe I can just understand that those people who really don't know how to drive might have something else that <laughs> is really important to them that day, right? And um, I shouldn't be judging them either. And I love that you brought up um, the challenge of health. You know, this, um, because I was talking about material wealth being the, you know, the indicator of abundance and scarcity. But what you remind us is that um, our challenges can exist on any one of our koshas. And, and it could be a mind challenge that, you know, if we are suffering from anxiety or depression or any other kind of mental illness that we are, I love the age we're living in, we are removing all stigma from mental illness so that we can really address things that are going on. You know, it could be in on the surface, you know, of the material stuff. It could be deep in your soul. It could be in living in your body somewhere, you know, where your breath, you know, if you have um, challenge breathing, you know, that that is, you know, your energy levels, whatever they are that contribute to the mindset of the day, we could go either way. Like I've said before, I get a headache and princess has to be in bed, you know, that it, that sets me off. And I just know I have to remove myself because my response time is different <laughs> and not always, um, not always felt in gratitude by those <laughs> on the other end. So, you know, we have to know ourselves and Gratitude, I think, is a wonderful way to, it's a, like we talked about the, the gateway for gratitude, but it also, it, everything can reveal our opposites as well. So in those moments where I'm not feeling grateful because I feel a challenge or because I'm feeling overtaken or overwhelmed by a situation that then later I can, you know, approach and be like, oh man, like you said, I was an asshole then. It reminded me that, you know, we're going back to the simple things. I talked about toast. Um, that was a simple thing. But another gratitude practice that I've learned was when I was at Kripalu. Now, I've practiced this when I was a child, but I guess I came away from it. But when I was there studying for my yoga therapy um, certification, every morning we had silent breakfast. And I began to notice that almost every person who came into the dining area, when they sat down, they paused before they ate for a moment of gratitude for how that food got to the table. And, um, you know, I've mentioned I lived on Snipes Farm. They have, you know, if you've ever eaten with them for any of our local people who may have had, you know, meals at the farm, there's a song that they sing before they eat that thanks the animals um, for their, their, their role on the farm, the minerals, the food, the farmers, right? Every hand that laid, or, or not hand, in the case of the animals, it's coming out the other end. <laughs> but every contributor from the fertilization to the plate that has touched and prepared that meal to take that moment to step back and honor um, where that food came from. And I know sometimes at Thanksgiving dinner tables, we would say grace and, or even if it's not grace, we would take time for, you know, depending on what your religious backgrounds are, or how you approach your meals, but to go around the table and ask people to express a gratitude. And sometimes it feels like there's a 
discomfort, like, oh, I have to think of something to be grateful for. But when the practice becomes one that's a daily practice of recognizing the food that's on your plate, or just to write down one gratitude, I think it was uh, Brene Brown, I'm going to say, has a one, two, three, four that I read about where at 1234 each day, there's a pause. You know, you set your clock, you set your iPhone for a little alarm and start your next sentence with, I am grateful for. Mm-hmm. And, and be specific. Like, yeah. I think that's a thing. I had read something where if you're always saying I'm grateful for my family, um, that kind of loses its meaning. And it's not really the thing. Say, I'm grateful. My husband made me a cup of coffee before I woke up this morning and there was a flower on the by the coffee. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that my daughters, you know, went out and thought to to get me something on their journey, you know, whatever that is, to be specific. And I remember you brought up a memory of mine because it's been a it's been a few years since I've done this. And it's weird because I used to do it all the time, but always smell my food. I always would smell it beforehand because that sense I knew would land and that if I smelled it again, I could be brought back, that there was a sense of being in the moment with the offering of this food, whether it was hot or cold. What does a cold apple smell like with the skin? Like, does it have a smell? I was always smelling it. And my friends would always look at me, oh, there's Sherry smelling her food again. but then you you brought up the Thanksgiving thing. And I think the discomfort is because there's so much attention on it for that one day. Now, I had that reaction to Valentine's Day a long time ago because I was single for many, many years. And I always felt excluded from this romantic Hallmark holiday. And then I kind of... I kind of went around and I was like, okay, well, one day devoted to love. People are throwing love and how can that be bad? And then I started looking into the origin of it and it was like women being, you know, molested and other things in the Roman center, you know, all in the name of fertility. And it was just such a misogynistic start that I was like, I cannot, I cannot even put attention to it even if there are some be- the positive benefits to it now, because everyone's thinking of love. But once you know the origin story of something, and once you know that that is in the DNA of this, this experience, it's hard to kind of separate. And I'll talk about myself. It's hard for me to disassociate from that origin story. So as someone whose brand, if I were to have a brand, would be love, I thought, why not just celebrate this every fucking day? So on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day this past year, I started doing a daily practice of calling it a daily love drop, where every morning I, or every day at some point, um, I create a meme that is love-based. Now it's not all like, oh, isn't love great and love is this. And in the beginning, it kind of started that, um, like that. But then it, it's evolving into something that Um, requires a bit of imagination. And what really is love? And I say this because love and gratitude, I feel so much are inextricably connected. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, and joy and happiness, all of those things kind of, they, they weave in the same cloth. They're all, you know, threads of the same cloth. And so to be able to practice gratitude on the daily, or I know I've said before, if it's not daily, if that's too much regularly with some regularity so that those pathways can be strengthened. I think when we get to Thanksgiving, 
it's no longer going to be this big thing where now all the attention is trying to figure out what I'm grateful for, because I know what I'm grateful for. I'm living a conscious, mindful life that allows me to recognize, be aware of those things with more regularity. Yeah. Even in their banality, you know, those things that are just like the simple everyday things, you know, like the joyful effort of warm, soapy water coming out of the faucet. Um, I had a teacher who said, dedicate everything, dedicate, dedicate, dedicate. So I started dedicating the flushing of my toilet to those communities that don't have indoor plumbing, you know, that may all beings benefit from indoor plumbing. May all beings benefit from clean, potable water coming from their faucets. You know, these things that we take for granted can also be the means through which we re-identify with gratitude. I love that, the things that we take for granted um, to take that mindful moment to stop and notice that, yeah, we are so lucky. You talked about the warm water coming out of the faucet. Um, you know, in the RV world, which I traveled a lot with, you know, or if you happen to be, my, my cousin was in the Navy and he's like, oh, that sounds like a Navy shower, right? <laughs> water is how much you can carry in your tank. And depending on how long you're going to be out or where those resources are going to come from next, sometimes when you're traveling, there aren't stations to get refills on some of those resources. So if you want to shower, it literally is literally there. We, you know that we don't use that word very often. Uh, <laughs> as long as it's used appropriately, I don't care. I mean, your, your head did not literally explode, but you literally did need to have enough water in the tank <laughs> to take a shower. But I literally, I mean, you turn it on, you can't wait for it to get warm because you're going to waste water while it's getting warm. So you literally turn on the water and let it wet your hair that drips down your body. You turn it off. This might be 30 seconds soap everything up and then rinse it off as quickly as possible. Um, so it might mean the difference between, you know, using 10 gallons of water for a shower or using a half a gallon of water for a shower. And I can tell you, even now living in homes with running water, it I can't take a long shower. I mean, occasionally I like to take a bath, so I'll fill up the whole tub and rest and, and, you know, relax in there. But I find myself still reaching to turn the water off or to time myself. You know, it was the remembrance of making sure the water's turned off while I'm brushing my teeth. I do that or, too, yeah. Right? Washing dishes, you know, to soap everything up and let it rinse. So these practices of gratitude, of realizing that our resources are so easy, or mine, I shouldn't say our, I don't know where our listeners are. My resources are so easy to come by in so many different um, things that I need to use mm -hmm. that when I recognize my wastefulness is a good time to stop and then place a gratitude and transition from wasteful to gratitude. Yes. I just need to circle back for a moment because I think I did not finish a sentence which would have left it in the air that warm soapy water came out of my faucet. <laughs> that is not what happened. The joyful effort and gratitude came from warm water coming out, but then being able to do my dishes with, you know, soaping it up. So I just wanted to clarify that since I am working on finishing sentences. Um, <laughs> please 
finishing the story. Um, okay, I think we are kind of at this this hour's end. I wanted to just go into a little bit of those practices, the gratitude. You know, um, I know that you have a good one that I, I'm excited for you to tell. But, you know, I was watching something or listening. I don't know if it was someone I knew or someone I don't know who said, you know, whenever we're told to journal our gratitude or journal, men are never asked to journal. You know, you never hear them say, oh, now men go journal. It's always the women. Um, I think that we all should journal on some level. I mean, journaling regularly is not my thing. I love to write. But, you know, when it comes to gratitude, that pen to paper is a beautiful thing. It And it could be a paradigm shift if we just make it ubiquitous. It's not for males or females. It's just that humanity, humans should recognize, should practice some form of gratitude. And so recognizing, maybe pausing, like you said, Brene Brown setting the timer, that you know that that timer is designed for you to pause and reflect on those things for which you can be grateful. And that maybe waking up in the morning, first thing, taking that first breath and having a gratitude for the ability to breathe with ease. Those things for which we take, well, for which? Those things we take for granted um, are, the, are, the, are the starting points for gratitude. Yeah, it's interesting that I read about the one, two, three, four that I talked about because I mentioned I'm in Reno. I'm staying with my son and my daughter-in-law at their house. And I just found out when I got here that every day, I forget the time, sorry, Greg, um, but every day at the same time, my son stops. He's got his um, alarm set. He stops and takes a photograph. The photograph can be of a beautiful landscape or a bowl on the kitchen counter. It's not really what the photo specifically communicates. It's the reminder to take a moment and notice what you're doing at that time and to record it. So he has a library of these photos that are taken every day at the same time. And sometimes it's when we're doing something perfectly ordinary nothing spectacular, but to pause and remember. And I think um, when I speak about that and I think about my own practices, that it's tangible gratitude practices, something that we can look at and say, this is tangible. I can identify it like the practice you just shared and mm -hmm. I did as well. There's also a very simple meditation that I've been offered so many times. And it's so interesting because I raisins are not my go-to snack at all. But when I've done this meditation and I've done it five or six separate times in different trainings or different workshops that I've been in from walking on fire. I did a fire walk at Bear Mountain many years ago um, that we did it there. And then, you know, a different meditation training, things like that. So you take a raisin and I've also done it with a raspberry because there's texture to the raspberry I'd picked from my garden, but with the raisin, it's got a little bit more give to it. So, you know, kind of hold it in your hand and you can um, feel the texture, roll it around, soften it a little bit in your hand. And so you feel it. And this takes you through all the koshas too. And then you smell it. And you can just smell it. You're looking at it and using your senses. Smell the raisin. Have you ever smelled a raisin? What the fuck does a raisin smell like? Kind of like the, the apple. What does it smell like? So you're, you're holding it, feeling it, smelling it, seeing it. 
And then of course you put it in your mouth, but don't chew yet. You just kind of let the texture roll around on your tongue and you roll it side to side. You can feel it in your cheeks. And then when you're ready and you take that first bite, there's a sense of gratitude. It's, it, it feels a little bit different. Or I, I don't even want to say different, but when you have created a relationship with something as simple as a raisin in such an intimate sensory way, and then you take that first bite, there is an explosion of flavor and texture and everything that when it's one little tiny raisin, but within that experience, I have experienced an enormous amount of gratitude for this little tiny raisin. And so if we can feel that with this tiny little fruit, this dried fruit, you know, imagine the possibilities of what we can bring into our field of gratitude. Yeah. And right now I'm smelling a bagel or something that is toasting. <laughs> Speaking of toasting, this has come in full circle, not gluten-free probably. I think it's a cinnamon raisin, but I can just, it's wafting on the air and making you hungry, I bet. Yeah, yeah I can feel <laughs> I had a practice, um, I think it was last year, I was walking on the beach. Um, and it wasn't a particularly, it wasn't a day I would say, ooh, that was a really fun day. I think I started my walk feeling maybe a little bit sad or disconnected, uh, but I do love the water and it's, you know, a go-to place. If I'm feeling out of sorts and I can get myself to the element of water, it's the reminder. We talked about this with Giselle in our last, um, in episode 10, the reminder of going with the flow. So being by water is just my happy place. It always helps me to calm down a little bit, feeling the sand underneath my feet, like I'm getting a free uh, pedicure of exfoliation as I walk in the sand. But on this particular walk, I was looking down, it was in South Carolina, and I was looking at the sand. So that tells you that I know I was probably a little upset because my eyes were downcast. And I started to notice that there were a number of dark stones, little tiny stones that had been softened by being tumbled in the ocean for years and years mm -hmm. were on the beach. And um, so I bent over to pick one up and look at it. And I started noticing the stone and feeling the stone. And I decided that with every black stone, I would take a two mile walk, a mile out and a mile back. I would watch for the black stones. And every time I found a black stone, I picked it up, paused, and remembered a gratitude. And so each black stone was a reminder. My hand was filled with black stones when I got a mile out. And I thought, oh, this is great. I will go home and put these black stones in a jar and I'll be able to remember how many gratitudes I have. But when I turned around to come back, I decided I didn't want to hold on to them. They were just one more thing to find a space for. Um, so instead, what I did was on the way back in the mile, I dropped one black stone at a time and let it release a stress or a tension. Something I was ready to let go of um, was dropped back and left on the beach. And honest, boy, by the time I got back, I was like, Phew, I feel amazing because it was 
a gathering of gratitudes and a releasing of things that were just stories or that mindset of lack of abundance, that mindset of scarcity, or the focus on what I didn't have that I was able to release on the walk. So I really found this nice balance between the two of not only recognizing my gratitudes, but the willingness of like to be able to let go and release things that really were just stories after my own because that were making me feel crappy. Picking up the pebbles on the path. Mm -hmm. That is the best. I think that I can't imagine a better way to end this. I mean, that practice, I, I'm inspired by that. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing you did for yourself and for, you know, all the, everyone around you, because you were at the ocean that all just spread out. I mean, the ebbs and flows of the ocean, you were, you were mirroring that. Yeah. I am just, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so gratitude. Once again, um, I know that we did a lot of thank yous and a lot of things we were grateful for. But I would like to end, I know that you said that was the perfect ending, but I have one more perfect ending that I think I would like to finish off this podcast. And that's a gratitude, and I don't want to feel over solicitous, but a gratitude for going on this journey with you. We have learned so many things, and some of them are really frustrating. Um, luckily, you didn't have to hear all those frustrations because Judith, thank you, Judith, has taken them <laughs> out of the um, end results. Maybe you'll see them in a mid-season like Teresa and Sherry in our most frustrating moments. But a gratitude um, to you for being on this journey, for being my mirror, for um, knowing the things I don't know. We've kind of organically broken our tasks into the things that I do well and you do well without having to really focus on it a ton. They just fell into our laps, but grateful to be building this with you and um, for you knowing all the things that I don't know. <laughs> and back at you, sister, back at you. I feel like you have made me a better person. And um, I feel like we're married now. You know, this is, it's that kind of intimacy that building something together, growing something together. You've seen more of my warts and more of my, you know, scars and, and pussing, what is the word, separating, oozing, you know, wounds as my husband has, you know, and I just, I am so grateful that we can come full circle and that you see that and, um, and that it's all okay. So yes, I feel the same way. Thank you for doing the things and not letting ego be the thing that, you know, makes us crash and burn. It actually has been a beautiful symbiotic experience and I'm so grateful. Oh, and I have to say this because my friend, Michelle, who listens, hi, Michelle Cohen, I'm shouting out because I know you listen. Um, she mentioned that we know Siva, your dog, but um, that my animals have not yet been mentioned. So I, in my gratitude, I will thank Luna and Sweetie Darling, my dogs, which we just call Sweetie Darling, Sweetie, and my cats, Buffy and Angel. And if you have ever watched Buffy, you know what that comes from. So they are they are part of my existence here. And uh, they just don't bark a lot, <laughs> I guess, when we're recording. Um, so, so thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you like what you heard, please click the like and follow buttons and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen. 
These ratings help our grassroots podcast to become more visible to more people so we can include more stories. Written reviews are like stars on steroids. If you are so moved, please write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are just getting started. So if there's something you'd like us to cover, please email us at anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. Tell us your stories. We'd like to thank our editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos.